If you want to prosper and have good success in everything that pertains to this life, God tells you, meditate in the Word of God day and night until it's strong enough in you that you can actually do the Word of God. And then you will prosper and have good success in everything you do. The Holy Spirit reminds us of a scripture. Take that scripture and keep it before you day and night. Or you'll be reading the Bible and you will come across a scripture that kind of stands out to you and you really don't want to go past that scripture because you're still thinking about it. There is a special message from God for you in that verse of scripture. There's something that you especially need in that scripture. As a new Christian in 1975, God took me to two passages of scripture to show me the way to success on this earth. And I began doing those. And everything I touched prospered, just as God said it would in these scriptures. We're going to look at those for a few minutes, and then I'll give you an example of meditating in a scripture. First, look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law, let's just take that as being this Bible, the verses in this Bible, the things God has told us, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, day and night. Start with it in the morning, end with it in the evening. Be sure you're doing that verse of scripture. Make it a part of life, a part of living. Just like you breathe, that scripture is a part of you. When you meditate in that scripture that is called to your attention by the Holy Spirit, and when you do that scripture. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Psalm 1 says the same thing. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the scriptures, what God says. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. When the storms of life come, your leaf won't wither if you're planted by the rivers of water. You aren't going to dry up and blow away with everyone else. You're going to be like a tree. It's hard to get a tree to fall down when it's planted by the rivers of water. It's constantly drawing from that river. We are constantly drawing from the Word of God. And we are like that tree. And everything we do prospers when we live that way. 
So if you want to have good success and prosper in everything you do in this life, here's your direction. Spend time with individual scriptures, meditating on those scriptures, doing those scriptures. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, a scripture was called to my attention, and I started to try to live that scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I kept that before me day and night. I thought about it during the day. I found that it bridled my tongue. I would start to say something, and I would think before I said it, does this edify the body of Christ? Does this build the body of Christ in faith in God? Or is it just a clever saying of men that has no real power? but makes itself think like it has power. Does this minister grace to the hearers? I still evaluate what I write and speak by this scripture. Is this edifying building to the body of Christ? Now, sometimes a warning is very edifying because you'd be blown away without the warning. So it's not just that you speak flowery verses. It's that you warn the body of Christ also. Exhorting one another with the word of God. Exhorting one another. There are two scriptures that I know of that talk about exhorting one another. Hebrews chapter 3 says, Let us exhort one another daily, daily. Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As you see the day of the Lord approaching, you know the wickedness on this earth will get worse just like it did in the days of Noah. Before the destruction, the wickedness exalts itself and flaunts itself. We see that continually in television programs. You turn on television programs of this generation and you see nudity, you see sex outside of marriage as an accepted thing and a normal thing. You see homosexuals, lesbians, you see all types of things which the Bible says is evil. It's not that we say it's evil. God says it's evil in the Bible. See, that's the key, is what does God think about this? Well, if you want to know what God thinks about it, look in the New Testament Bible, because that tells it. It tells us what God thinks about it. A few days ago, a woman asked me, do you approve homosexuals and lesbians? I was shocked. This woman is a Catholic woman who goes to church. I gave her a recording on homosexuals and lesbians, what the Bible says. It's very strange how people think, 
what do you say? What does God say? Let's look at it that way. What does God say? One time a woman from Germany sent me an email. She had lived in Dallas when I did. She went to Word of Faith, which I attended at that time. She, she sent me this email and she said, do you remember me? Well, there were so many things in her email that I needed to address. I didn't even mention to her the answer to, no, I don't remember you. I just talked about the important things. She sent me another email saying, and she said, well, I guess since you didn't mention remembering me, you don't remember me. That seemed to be the only thing important to this woman. Did I remember her? How foolish. What difference does it make if I remembered her or not? The important thing is the Word of God. The important thing on the subject of homosexuals is what does God think? What does He say? And where do we see it? We see it in the Bible, Romans chapter 1. When we read Romans chapter 1, these verses, we know what God thinks about the subject of homosexuals and lesbians. Start at verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever? For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So now you tell me, what does God think? What does God think about homosexual and lesbian? What does he say in the Bible? This is where we know what God thinks. What does God think about divorce, remarriage? We know because we read in the Bible what God has to say about divorce, remarriage. Take Mark chapter 10, for example. Start at verse 2. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, to divorce his wife? Tempting Jesus. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. Look at your own heart on this subject. Did you allow your heart to grow hard? That's what Jesus is pointing out to them. Verse 6, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. So you're talking about divorce from the person with whom you are one flesh, Jesus is saying. 
You better consider this very carefully. And then Jesus says, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. We had a Bible teacher who used to say, Yes, but God never joined those two together. He did if they had sexual intercourse. Because Paul says at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. And even if you have sex with a prostitute... You become one flesh with that prostitute. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, Flee fornication, for every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So Jesus says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples ask him again of the same matter. And Jesus saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife, and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband, and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So what is really important on any issue of life is what does God say? And if we follow that, we'll be in the right path. If we don't follow that, we'll be in the wrong path. We will be in the path of destruction. And you bring curses upon yourself if you turn against the instruction of the New Testament Bible. In Romans 12, verse 2 Paul tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind to the New Testament Bible, to the Word of God. Because this world teaches exactly opposite from the New Testament Bible. Therefore, you keep the scriptures in front of you, especially on the subject of marriage and divorce because they don't go any direction near what the Bible says. And it will get the seeming like they're right. It will get the seeming to you as if what the world says is actually correct. Unless you keep the Word of God before you and renew your mind to the Word of God. And then you will really have a chance to hold on to God in the times that we are in today, which is much wickedness. There was great wickedness in the times of the early church, but today they have increased. Paul said they would increase. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But he told us to hold on to the Holy Scriptures. Well, the power, the strength is in meditating in that word of God that is called to your attention by the Holy Spirit. At one point in my life, Philippians chapter 2 was called to my attention. 
where Paul said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation. We go about on this earth wanting to have a reputation among men, and we do all kinds of things to have a reputation. I began taking that scripture and evaluating it in my life. Am I saying things to make people think well of me, to think I'm great, to think I'm important? Well, most of us are. People dress to make other people think they're important, to attract attention to themselves, to exalt themselves above another person. This is what the flesh does. It exalts itself above other people. And it delights in doing that. This is a work of the flesh. Emulation is what that is called. Jesus did not do that. He made himself of no reputation. He was the Son of God and is the Son of God. And yet, he didn't make himself of any reputation. He spoke what God wanted him to speak. He always spoke what God wanted him to speak. And that took him to the cross. For when you speak what God wants you to speak, very often people will turn against you. Even people in churches will turn against you if you speak what God wants you to speak. And if you speak what God wants you to speak, you're going to find you're not glorifying yourself and making them think well of you. You're glorifying God. i give you this example. At one point, I wanted a wood-burning fireplace in my house, and a, a truck loaded with firewood drove up beside my car as I was parked at a signal light. And I looked at that wood and I thought, oh, I'd like to have a wood-burning fireplace. And I heard immediately these words, you can do that. Well, I had never considered that I could change my gas logs to wood until I heard that word. And I knew that word was from God. So I made immediate plans to change my fireplace from gas logs to wood. One of the women at the bridge center where I played at that time played bridge, she just thought that was so interesting that I did that. And she thought it was so much better that I put in that wood-burning fireplace. And I said, now, I didn't do that of myself. God told me I could do it. But I heard her talking to someone at the bridge center and she said, oh, Joan changed her fireplace to wood burning. It's just wonderful. I heard it and I said, now, wait a minute. And I told the story of how I stopped at the signal light and this truck drove up beside me, loaded with firewood. And I thought, oh, I would like to have a wood burning fireplace. And I heard from God, you can do that. It was God who caused me to do this. Well, nobody wanted to hear that. They wanted to praise me. They want to praise the flesh of man, not God. And I found that in the churches too. They want 
to praise their pastor. They want to praise their speakers. They want to praise the choirs. It's praising what God says that glorifies God. If you want to bring glory to God, tell what God is doing in your life. Tell what God told you. Tell of the changes he made in your life if you want to glorify God. But if you want to glorify yourself, you can you tell what your ideas were, what your opinions were. See, the thing that matters is what does God say about this subject? That's all that matters. And following that, so we take a scripture that is called to our attention by the Holy Spirit that stands out to us as we're reading the Bible, knowing that a special message is in that scripture, knowing that it is like eating the food that we need at that moment in time. In fact, the Lord's Supper is eating and drinking the Word of God and applying it to your life. It has nothing to do with crackers and grape juice served at a church. That is not the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is taking a verse of Scripture like that Philippians 4.29, I'm, excuse me, Ephesians 4.29, and checking what you say by does it edify this person. That is the Lord's Supper. That is eating and drinking the Word of God. That is the strength and power of God. So we meditate in the Word of God to enable us to believe the Word of God and to do the Word of God. And that causes us to live a life in Christ, in the Word of God. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.